from the iHeartRadio studios in New York City. Come two diehard fans of the greatest rock and roll band hailing from Hollywood, California. Dissecting all things Guns N' Roses and anything else in their distorted minds, it's Brando and Scotto. And this is Appetite for Distortion. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 38. My name is Brando. With me today, uh, Mr. Don Jameson, and we're both rapping off the phone. Well, not like, you know, two chains rapping. We're conversing off the phone, <laughs> waiting for uh, Alex Grassi, who helped set up this entire interview. Uh, so we're waiting on him, but in the meantime, it's you and I. We're kind of getting to know each other a little bit, and which is... So let me backtrack uh, to how, I guess, you and I got on the phone at this moment. Uh, a few... Yeah. First of all, let me just say yeah. happy Hanukkah, and I hope your menorahs are rocking tonight. <laughs> you know what, Don? That's a perfect place to start. Uh, thank you, because I just did an interview with uh, Scott Ian, and I wished him a happy Hanukkah as well. And he goes on a rant, uh, and I loved it, about – I don't know if you saw the documentary on Netflix about Jim Carrey and Andy Kaufman. And uh, no, I never saw that one. It's new, and it's really good. So if you, so I don't know if you've seen recent interviews with Jim Carrey. He's – very Zen now into philosophy. So he goes off on, um, and it's very, it's intelligent to saying how we didn't choose the, the labels. You know, we weren't born being Jewish. We weren't born gender, just very insightful. So, uh, Scott Ian's uh, response to being, uh, me wishing him a happy Hanukkah was saying that, you know, was kind of re saying that, you know, I don't believe in labels and, uh, I have no more connection to Hanukkah than a Muslim. So I'm like, oh, okay, well. <laughs> He's good with the rants. <laughs> well, it was just a segue because I'm currently wearing my uh, my Guns and Moses T-shirt that I got. <laughs> my brother Logan got it for me from uh, from Birthright from Israel. So I'm just I'm representing. So thank you, uh, Don. You're welcome. And uh, you, there's no rant from me. I just uh, want everybody to have a good rocking holiday and uh, make sure everybody's included. That's all. Hey, you know what though. As someone who's Jewish, yeah, I was bar mitzvah, all that crap. Um, it just, it doesn't. It's like a want to be Christmas. That's what it is. It's the, <laughs> mo- the most important. Not to sidetrack on this, the most important Jewish holidays are Rosh Hashanah and Passover. This was to just to compete with Christmas. I swear to you, when I was ten years old, I sat on my grandmother's lap. I don't want to be Jewish anymore, so I can celebrate Christmas. <laughs> well, you know, I guess all the all the holidays at this time have become so commercialized that uh, you know that the, the, the original, whatever the original intent of them was lost long ago. So you know, now it's I look at Christmas or I guess even Hanukkah the same way. It's kind of like it's kind of like the scene in Donnie Brasco where. You know, Johnny Depp and Al Pacino just exchange envelopes at Christmas, and they basically both put, like, five grand in the envelope. Mm-hmm. And they go, oh, you're so generous, Donnie. He goes, you're so generous. Very generous of you, Donnie. And they hug each other, and it's like, that's what Christmas is. I'll give you my $100, <laughs> and then you give me your $100 gift. And we could have just saved all the money and, you know, went out and saw Guns N' Roses and got drunk and had a good time. You're damn right. So let's, uh, that's, you're, you're perfect. You're, you're made for broadcasting. You're setting me up perfectly. So I want to get to uh, where we are and how we got to this conversation. Because a few episodes ago, I interviewed uh, uh, Genocide and Rachel from uh, Paradise Kitty. 
And by the way, as Love a, that. Uh, they're they're amazing. I you know was following them, and they're a West Coast band. I'm very glad that they came out to the East Coast, do some dates, and and got to meet them. And by the way, as I'm writing, as I was writing the email to Alex to set up this interview, it just dawned on me that genocide is genocide. I thought her name was Jenna Side. <laughs> Am I a mo- too much porn, man? You're, you're buying into these names. Oh my! Too easily. It's the porn. It's the bath salts. I don't know. I gotta. I gotta fucking get my shit together. So, <laughs> so um, I reached out to Jenna. Uh, you know, because I, I want them, of course, to come back next time they're on tour or whenever, because they're great. Uh, but knowing that uh, since Guns N' Roses are um, taking a break, which is so weird to say because they've been touring forever, it seems. Uh, but then Hookers and Blow are touring, not the activity, but of course the band. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> yes. you, you never know. Uh, so of course, uh, she was happy to you know to help me out and see who was available, and that's when she suggested uh, Alex Grassi, uh, one of the founding members of of Hookers and Blow, and of course within Quiet Riot and setting that up. He goes, well, how about we bring Don Jameson in? Of course, and that's when I found out because uh, Hookers and Blow are um, you. They just started the tour, I believe. Uh, my 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 co-host um, Scotto, he went to the Mohegan Sun show. Uh, I think it might have been like the second show of this tour because Steve Stevens canceled, so they played two nights on Mohegan Sun, which wasn't uh, planned. But you're playing uh, your rock and roll comedy, I guess. I don't know if you're, you're performing or playing or however you want to phrase it on some select dates, right? Yeah, and we should set up for people listening who don't know what Hookers and Blow is. Yeah. You know, there's probably quite a few of them, but it's um, cause, and because we're on a Guns N' Roses podcast, this is important. But it's you know Dizzy Reed who's fronting uh, this band. It's it's a it's a side project that he's been doing probably for more than 15 years at this point. Um, Dizzy's one of the first guys in the business I ever met. You know, as far as like a big musician. You know, I mean, he's been in Guns obviously since the early 90s. You know, he's one of pretty much the only original member left from that era. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, of course, now Slash and Duff coming back, which has been amazing. But um, he's been the constant. And, you know, Guns, like you said, it's funny to hear to say that Guns has taken a break because they've toured so much. But let's face it, they took a really long break uh, through the 90s into the early 2000s. And, and, you know, Dizzy was like, hey, you know, uh, you know, we're not touring and let me go out and do this. And, you know, obviously he just made up, you know, a funny name for a band, Hookers and Blow, is meant as a goof. And here it is 15 years later. And, um, you know, I was always a fan of, of what they did. Um, it's, it's basically it's a glorified cover band. Um, they're an awesome band, but it's a party. And, you know, I always thought, you know, yeah, I can bring some to the party because, you know, what do you see when you get to a party? You see there's a guy, you know, in the middle of the room making dirty, offensive jokes and, and you know, and then there's music. So, so you know, mixing me in with my comedy with those guys playing the music has, you know, we've been doing it together the last four or five years. And uh, it, it really works great, man, because, like I said, uh, they're a great band. It's, it's, it's not a, a joke band, but... It's just part of the whole kind of rock and roll circus that we're, that we're going to bring. And, you know, we're doing three weeks across the country. I'm really excited. I think that's awesome because it used to be like that. They used to have, uh, right, where a comedian would open up for a band. You don't see that unless it's a festival, right? Uh, you don't yeah, s- yeah. It's, it's, uh, t- it used to be the cool thing to do, man, many, many years ago. 
And then for many, many, many years, it was not the cool thing to do. And, you know, I'm a guy who lives in breathes in that world of hard rock and metal, you know, whether it's, you know, just me at home listening as a fan or or being, you know, a co-host on that metal show or, you know, be or being friends with any of these guys. It's the world I live in. And I love doing comedy in that setting because I have so much material about bands and about music and musicians um, that it actually is a good fit. See, that's um, I like that's where I was actually going to go with it. When do you change your your set when you're opening up for a band like Hookers and Blow or opening up for a band to tailor it to, you know, like rock and roll jokes or joke about a certain band aging or uh, lineups or like is because you call it rock and roll comedy or is it or, like, how do you I guess make your set for one of these uh, gigs to open up for a band. Yeah, well, I mean, I call, we call it the, you know, rock and roll comedy because besides, yes, me talking, you know, I'll go up there and I'll talk about Guns N' Roses and Motley Crue and Kiss and Def Leppard and, you know, any number of bands, you know, I have tons of material on. I mean, it's all it's on all my comedy albums. Um, you know, I'm also, my comedy albums come out on a metal label, Metal Blade Records. Um, so, you know, I'm totally tied in with that community. And, you know, it's also the attitude that I bring to it, man. You know, like when I go out, man, I give a performance, you know, it's, it's not just the guy up there tapping the mic. Is this thing on, man? I come out and attack and get right into it. And it's, you know, and the jokes are dirty and, and, and some of them probably slightly offensive. And <laughs> But what this is, is a rock crowd. You know, I'm not Dave Coulier, you know. I, I'm not <laughs> do family humor in front of people who've been, you know, drinking Budweiser since noon. If you said you were Bob Saget, though, that would be more accurate because he is dirty. Yeah, I've been. I've worked with Bob before. He's he's uh, he's gloriously dirty, and uh, <laughs> it was always funny to see which people in the audience didn't get the memo that he was a filthy comic because <laughs> there was always a few. Oh, I I have to. I can't even imagine. So you have to expect like. So if you don't expect Bob Saget to be dirty, that's fine. But if you're going to see a band called Hookers and Blow, now when uh, Scotto went up there. Uh, to Mohegan Sun, and I say up there because if it's the first time people listening, I'm right now in Tribeca, New York City, uh, that he's like, do you want a Hookers and Blow t-shirt? And I have like 10 Guns N' Roses shirts. You know, I'm a band t-shirt guy as well, like you are. And I'm like, I do. I have some. I wear some pretty stupid stuff. You know, I wear my grandfather's um, members-only jacket. Uh, I wear SpongeBob shirts. <laughs> Uh, but like I don't know if I can wear a shirt that's a hookers and blow. You know, like, wh- if you don't know what that is, that's like, I don't know if I could do that. It's like, oh well, Alex Grassi uh, is giving them out for free. Oh, okay, well, grab me one. <laughs> and the best part about the logo is that it's it's actually line it's chopped out in lines of cocaine. So it, <laughs> it, if you don't get the subtle reference to drugs and prostitutes, <laughs> the, the font certainly spells it out. Unbelievable, and so that's that's great. And uh, I have to. Are you going to be playing the show when you um you guys are when Hookers and Blow are coming to Queens? Uh, was it Blackthorn, right? Yeah, yeah. I jump on the bus with them, uh, which is a whole other thing, which is hilarious. But uh, I jump on the bus with them in Salt Lake City, Utah, and we come down, you know, through the middle of the country all the way up to up into Massachusetts, and then we end back down in the Chicago area. So we're going to cover a lot of ground. And, um, yeah, I'm, you know, I, I said, look, Alex, we're, you know, d- this bus driver is going to have to, uh, you know, he's going to have to leave extra time on these drives because, I mean, we're, in, we're on a bus with, with the words hookers and blow 
plastered across the side of the bus. <laughs> the whole bus is wrapped it's with really? our logos on it. Uh, you go, you know how many times we're going to get pulled over on this tour? <laughs> I mean, we're, we're going to have to have some, you know, we're definitely going to have to have bail money set aside for this because uh, it, it, it's going to be, uh, it, it's, it's going to be uh, quite a show. I mean, maybe hiding in plain sight. Cause like what cop is going to be like hookers and blow on there. You got to be kidding me. No way. That's the, that's pretty amazing though. That's funny. Yeah, we're going to tell them we're the Wiggles. Just <laughs> it's like the Partridge family from hell. I love it. <laughs> exactly. So the whole thing, the whole, just getting from gig to gig is, is going to be exciting. And so, all right, so I look forward to uh, seeing you because, you know, I've heard your records. Um, I'm obviously familiar with you on uh, from that metal show, which, unfortunately, you know, the time when VH1 Classic was my favorite channel and went to MTV Classic, which is not a classic channel. It's just... Hey, MTV from 10 years ago. Let's play The Hills and Jersey Shore. Go fuck yourself. I want my medal. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? The millennials like that stuff. And um, right now, rock's just not hip on TV. You know, a lot of the, the TV executives are 30 something hipsters and they don't get, you know, how powerful this music is, which, you know, is interesting, man, because, you know, and, and I'll keep, I'll tie back in with guns. I mean, if you, if, if you have to be, you know, you have to be completely blood, deaf, dumb, and blind to, to not see what Guns N' Roses single-handedly has done in the last couple of years, which is tour the world several times, um, not, no new album, just bringing back some original members, and selling out arenas every night. If that doesn't show you the global power of hard rock and metal, I, I don't, you know, I don't know what will. And Metallica doing it at the same time. So, uh, you know, it's it just got to come back around again, you know. And in the meantime, you know, I'm out doing my stand-up. Like I said, I love to go out and open for bands, man. It's one of my favorite things to do. So I'm keeping busy. The three of us, Jim and Eddie and I, are all still best friends. You know, if, if and when we get the call, man, we're ready to go. I really hope so, because uh, I said to you off the air, that metal show, for me, because I'm only 34, um, was kind of like the headbangers ball for me, because I kind of missed that era. I was a little too young to appreciate that, and I really you know, just loved the, the human element to it. It wasn't so much of a interview show. It was a conversation with people I looked up to. And, you know, uh, Eddie Trunk, someone, you know, for me being in radio, I looked up to him. And someone uh, who I grew up loving comedy. I mean, I'm Jewish. It's like you can't help but just try to want to be a comedian uh, with you <laughs> and, uh, and Jim Florentine, you know, added a great element to it. And you knew that you weren't either of you weren't full of shit. You weren't just like, hey, uh, or the producers weren't just like, hey, let's just get a comedian on there. You guys knew your metal. So especially someone like you who likes like death metal and hardcore metal. You're not biased. You know, and like just like you said, how, you have to be deaf, dumb, and blind to, see, to not see what Guns N' Roses just did. And I guess to tie everything back around when that metal show was on, and I believe it will be on again, whether it's Netflix or Hulu or whatever. I mean, there's, there's too much out there, for, and you, the show is too good, mm -hmm. and the fan base is uh, too big for it not to work at some point. Uh, but when you guys did the, the Axl Rose DJ Ashba interview, uh, that got uh, that was pretty viral, and that was a time where maybe people were not looking at Axel in the same light that looking at him now. Where he, you know, he has the porn stash. He's with DJ. You know, he's still going on late. So take us to that episode because was that the only episode there was no audience, right? 
Correct. Yeah, we did that backstage at the arena uh, down in Miami. Um, we all flew down there and set up our stuff. And, uh, you know, it, it's interesting because, you know, obviously uh, most people know, you know, that interview took place at like five in the morning. How does that happen? Like, were you guys, did you take a nap? Did he just get up from a nap? Was he still awake? I mean, it's just. (laughs) (laughs) Those are Axel's, you know, those are Axel's hours. You know, he's a nocturnal cat. So, you know, if you can live in his hours, you know, it's all good. Um, You know, we just, we, I guess there was some miscommunication and we got there like five o'clock. Um, in the afternoon, so we were there, you know, a long time, and you know, we interviewed pretty much everybody. I mean, I think we were interviewing stadium workers at some point <laughs> <laughs> because we're just, you know, we're waiting for the man, but we're trying to get a little flavor of the concert as well. You know, Buck Cherry open. We talked to those guys. Um, you know, obviously, we, we talked to all the guys and guns that we could get. Um, but um, you know, I, I guess basically what happened was he 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 knew we were in the house, but he didn't know that he was set up to do an interview, and so you know they went on at midnight. This was you know pre Axel being on time Axel, you know, so they went on at midnight and they played till three fifteen. So now imagine the guy is finding out I got to do an interview. He's going to want to shower and get himself together, you know, to be on TV. He hadn't done a TV interview in twenty years. So he's not just going to walk off stage and, and sit down with us. So, um, but, you know, it was just about 5 a.m. And, and you know, look, I, I always look at it this way. You know, when I was younger, uh, you know, I chased strippers out till 5 in the morning. So <laughs> to get the, to get the first Axel interview after 20 years on TV, you know, uh, you know I, I'm going to wait it out. What did that mean to you as, as a fan, as someone in the industry, to interview someone I mean, not someone like Axl Rose to interview Axl Rose. And yes, DJ Ashba was there too. Yeah, so the DJ Ashba thing is funny, and I and I love DJ, and he, he's a friend of mine. Um, but you know, and he got he got so much crap for that, man, because basically he did just sit there the whole time. But he was the Ed McMahon. Yeah, but he did the right thing. I, I mean, I, I I'm not sticking up because he's a buddy, but he did the right thing, which was you know, again, Axl hadn't done a TV interview in 20 years, and you know, he asked, you know, hey, is it, is it cool if DJ sits in on the interview with me? I think he just wanted to have, you know, just he wanted to have a, a friend with him, you know. And, and I think DJ kind of was like, you know, if he needs me to chime in, I will. And if, if he doesn't, then, you know, then I'm here, you know, just as support. So, you know, I think I think <laughs> even though it might have come off kind of weird on air, I, I think that was that's kind of the background to how that happened. As far as the interview, man, look, I, I you know, it, I loved it. You know, I thought um, I thought considering, like I said, it was 5 a.m. We were all a little bleary eyed. We did a pretty good job. I always hoped there would have been a part two to the interview. Um, but, you know, I'm happy with what we did. Um, you know, obviously we made a little bit of rock history with that. And um, the only reason we actually cut it short was we all actually had flights to get. You know, he was ready to keep going. He was like, where are you guys going? We're like, we got flights in two hours. We, we, we went right from the arena back to the airport. So we had to get out of there. Oh, wow. Okay. That's cool that he wanted to talk more. Uh, but I'm sure you guys were just <laughs> so tired. Well, he's all, he's all refreshed because, you know, 5 a.m. is like, you know, that's his like dinner time. So you how know, did we get they, to where we are now, where Guns N' Roses are going on at 7 o'clock? You know, and that's something yeah, that we, amazing. We spoke, well, that's been a topic of conversation on this podcast where, 
you know, you have uh, old Jewish man me who I want to be in bed and all tucked in in my PJs and, <laughs> you know, uh, but then uh, there are people like my, my journalist friend Art Devana who writes for Playboy. He's like, where's the danger gone? You know, I want them to go on at midnight, not know what's, uh, what's going to happen. So what do you prefer and why do you think that's changed? Yeah, that's funny that he said that because I, I always I'm the same way. I'm like, you know, I, I still want some danger in my rock and roll. But no, I th- you know what, man, I think I think with and this is me speculating, I, you know, I haven't talked sure. to anybody about this. And, and as, as much as, you know, Dizzy Reed is I could talk to him about anything. You know, we, we rarely talk about guns because, you know, that's what he gets asked about all the time. So I try not to, to bog him down with a lot Makes of questions, sense. but. But I think this, I think it's this, man. I think it's like, you know, with Slash and, and Duff back in the band, I just think there's just a lot of good feelings going around, and they want to put on a great show for the fans. You know, I know Slash, when we did that metal show, um, one of the things he did mention, you know, when we talked, you know, because it always would come up, uh, you know, would there ever be a reunion with Axel? And then I think one of the things he said in, in the interview that we did with him was, you know, I, look, I let go of whatever bad vibes there were years ago. Um, if, but if it did happen, one of the things that I would want to insist on is getting on stage on time. So, you know, whether or not that he carried that over or and I think this is a combination of stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Even, you know, Del James, their their tour manager, who's, you know, great on social media with mm-hmm. getting the word out. You know, he's hey, he, he posts the set times and goes, hey, we're. We went on five minutes early last night, so make sure you get in. There's no opener tonight. And so, you know, I think people are loving it because, like you said, you know, you know, a lot of their, their, their crowd is people my age or, you know, I'm 51. So, you know, you know I kind of, you know, I could still go out and hang with the best of them. But, you know, if, if I can get home at a reasonable hour, I appreciate it. <laughs> and uh, But the bottom line is, man, they're still putting on a kick-ass show. They still play three hours every night. Um, it, it never feels like three hours. It always feels like they played five or six songs. And, and it's the only band that plays three, three to three and a half hours, and you leave going, they didn't play my Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That's how I, I felt. I, I've seen the reunion twice uh, at uh, Giant Stadium, the first uh, go-around, and then Madison Square Garden uh, last year. And that's how I felt. You know, it's, it's, it's not long enough. It's the only other band that I think that does anything close to that would be Bruce Springsteen, but I just I don't know. For me, I couldn't handle a three hour plus Springsteen concert. That's that's just me. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a, well, and he doesn't. One thing I give him credit for, man, is he doesn't play any of the hits. Right. He just plays deep cuts. So you know, I've actually gone with friends to see him, and I'm like, I kind of actually love this because. You know, his hits got overplayed so many times on the radio. It's like, I don't want to hear Born in the USA. You know, I'd rather hear a song I'd never heard before. If it's a good song, I'm into it. You know, if not, beer time. <laughs> You're right. And uh, so I guess that's a, this is also a good segue, too, as far as like what you play or what can be played by um, a band or, or Guns N' Roses is the amount of... The last show that they played, they played eight tracks off Chinese Democracy. Like, did you like? What are your thoughts on that? Just as a, as a overall question, did you ever a imagine it when you spoke to Slash all those years ago? Because that wasn't even a thought. It was like, hey, ever think of the reunion first of all, let alone yeah. anything with Chinese democracy. So that's yeah. because I I will see people go to the bathroom during Chinese democracy songs. Not always, and they are well received for the most part in the press. But at the MSG show, 
during it might have been this I love. I saw a handful of people get up and go to the bathroom. Yeah, man. I mean, look, uh, it's cool that that Slash and Duff are into playing that stuff. Again, I, I just think there's 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 good feelings going on in that camp right now. So I, I don't even know if any of that stuff was an issue. I'm like, I'm not privy to any in, inside information. I, I always liked the way that the Chinese democracy stuff mixed in into the set with the classic stuff, um, because I think. You know, you, songs from like Use Your Illusions, they, they kind of bridge the gap into it. So you're not it's not so jarring that you're going from, you know, an appetite song into a Chinese democracy song. I mean, it's you know, the, the show's a good mix of everything. And I think that's why it works. And even in the, you know, the Bumblefoot days and all that, you know, I was always like, man, these songs I like IRS and I like better. And, you know, these songs that really actually mix in pretty cool with with all the other stuff. So. Yeah, I'm I'm actually happy to hear that stuff, you know, because I look, I know I know I'm going to hear Welcome to the Jungle. I know I'm going to hear Paradise City, obviously. So, you know, but you know, like build, you know, build suspense, you know, like uh, you know, t- you know, tickle my balls a little. You think you wait for it? <laughs> I I completely agree with you. Uh cuz I I was excited when I heard them uh, when I hear Chinese democracy songs cuz I'm a fan of that record. I want to hear and I guess go back to your Springsteen point. I know they're going to play the hits. I want to hear some some rarities. You know, that's why sometimes uh, I get comments and I hear comments about all the covers that they do. It's cool that they do all these covers, but I want to hear them play rarities of their own stuff. Uh, yeah, I, you know, that's another thing. It's like when they start playing, like, um, you know, The Who and stuff, and I'm like, I, I'm, but I'm still digging this. Like, I don't know. It's They make the three hours or the three and a half hours go so, so quickly, and... Um, you know, I was at the the Apollo show um, in New York, the, mm-hmm. the one they did for Sirius XM, and I figured now that one they'll do. That's going to be an hour and a half jam packed with hits. They're they're putting on a free show. They're not going to do the whole thing. And I had a flight to Cincinnati the next day, and <laughs> let's just say <laughs> they played three and a half hours <laughs> hours sleep before I had to go get my flight. Unbelievable. Um, but they, uh, they, you know, once they get up there, they just start having so much fun, man. They just keep jamming and. Um, you know, I'll say the other funny thing about the Axel interview was, you know, that I, that through Dizzy, you know, I, you know, I had hung out a few times with Axel and, you know, I just found him to be a, a kind of an easygoing guy and pretty, pretty easy to talk to. Again, if you can hang in his hours, you know, then, then it's all good. Um, so, you know, to be in a situation where it's like now we're interviewing for TV, it was, it was kind of weird because, you know, he kind of knows who I am you know, even from before that metal show. Um, so it was a weird dynamic. That's why I say I wish I had a, we had a part two to, to, to build from. Uh, but who knows, maybe, again, if we get another run with that metal show, then, then maybe that's, uh, that's how we kick things off. No, absolutely. Again, I, I really, I, I, I see it. I just, I, I'm, I'm annoyed that it's taken this long, and obviously you guys are as well, uh, but I can foresee it happening. Um, now, with also continuing with that metal show and obviously GNR, uh, Steven Adler famously wore that metal show T-shirt when Guns N' Roses got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What, what are your thoughts on him being brought back into the band, but only for a song or a couple songs? And he seemed happy. But there was an interview after, I believe, with a, a buddy of yours, a mutual friend, uh, Mitch LaFon, uh, where sure. he, he didn't seem too happy about that specific role and would just want to be in the band full time. Yeah, I, look, I, we, everybody loves Steven. He's impossible not to love. He's, he's, uh, 
he's a he's a ten year old kid in, in a grown man's body. He's such a a lovable dude, and you know, obviously, he'll always you know in my book just for just for wearing the that metal show T-shirt, um, you know, to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like the, the, that's the, the greatest thing ever, man. What a what a cool thing for him to do. But I, I think as far as touring, man, it's look, it's a, it's a, he's, you know, he's done a lot of damage to himself and which he's, you know, fully admits to and, and whether or not they believed, I guess that he could be part of the touring machine. I mean, that that's probably what it came down to. And um, as much as, believe me, as, as a fan of guns, since, you know, getting appetite with the original robot cover. So I've been there since day one. I wish he would be a part of it, and I wish Izzy would be a part of it. But I got to say, there's definitely uh, there's definitely a lot of magic between those three, Axel and Slash and Duff. Man, it's uh, I mean, you can feel the difference. It's uh, it's something you just can't you, you can't duplicate it, man. So you know, I'm glad Stevens getting you know at least a little spotlight on him. You know, he's the architect of you know, in the backbone of those original songs. And, you know, if, if that's all it is for him, I, I do hope he's happy, man. And, and just as a human man, I hope he's happy and well. I could, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sentiments, exactly. I mean, uh, the disease of addiction is scary, and uh, the fact that he's still with us is a miracle in itself. And uh, just the fact that he's was there, and if, just for the fans, I think, just the fact that even— just if it happened once, which it did happen multiple times, was just great to see, and hopefully they're— whether they're you know just one-off shows or whatever, uh, him and Izzy can work together with uh, you know the other three, which would be pretty nice. But um, let's take a couple steps back because you said you started uh, with GNR from the the robot uh, cover. So where did you grow up? Did you are you from New York? Uh, no, I, yeah, I grew up from I've lived in New York and New Jersey most of my life. And Jersey, I wish, that's where I should know better. Yeah, because you yeah, and Eddie talk about it all the time. Yeah, I wish Alex. I wish Alex. Alex was on the was on the phone because he toured with with Stephen as Adler's appetite, part of Adler's appetite, um, so he could tell you a lot of funny Stephen stories. But, oh, we'll uh, we'll get him on again. We're gonna make him. I'm gonna I'm gonna lay that Jew guilt on him to say, hey, we uh, we had this time and. Like I told you before the phone call, I, said, I was bragging about how professional Alex was, and he's not even on the podcast. <laughs> you know, I, I will say it's my fault. And a quick just uh, sidebar before I get into you know your growing up, becoming a, a metalhead, GNR fan. You, uh, I, this is to the listener. You, uh, I, and Alex were supposed to do this interview a couple days ago, uh, but I got a 12-hour bout with po- uh, food poisoning. I just ate, I don't know, there was like a wad of chicken parm I had the night before. I'm like, ah, it did not feel good going down and woke up 6 in the morning and basically lived in the bathroom until 6 in the afternoon. And it was just, uh, I'll leave it at that. So that sucked. So I, I would say it's my fault. That's why we are not all on the phone together at the same time because this was supposed to happen a couple of days ago. Uh, but I know, I mean, he's I, he's super busy. So I'm sure we'll be able to, uh, to reschedule and talk about Adler's appetite and all that fun stuff. Um, but I want to know about you growing up because you, you said you're from you're from Jersey, right? Yeah, I grew up in Jersey, man. And, you know, in Jersey, basically, you know, the, it's the three it's the law. It's the three M's of Jersey, malls, mullets and metal. So, <laughs> you know, I pretty much I pretty much handled all three of them. You know, the mall part, not like Roy Moore, but, <laughs> you know, I, I hung oh, out. Thank God he lost. <laughs> I, I guess I did chase teenage girls, but I was a, a teenager at the time. And um, but you know what? You went in the record store. What are those? 
Um, yeah, right. When, when record stores were in malls, I, I'd go and you'd find the guy with the long hair at the record store because he would be the guy who knew, you know, what was good in metal. And I'd say, hey, what should I get this week? And he'd say, you know, oh, Motorhead Bomber or Riot Fire Down Under or, you know, um, check out, you know, the Guns N' Roses, this new band. And oh, my God. And look at this cover and look at these guys on the back. They're all stoned out or whatever. And, you know, you're like, wow, that's. That looks really cool. I don't know what it sounds like, but it looks great. And, you know, it was weird, man. I, I bought that album. And, you know, at the first year, it really didn't do much. You know, it wasn't uh, there wasn't a big hit off of it or anything. And um, I lent it to a friend and I never got it back. And, you know, not knowing that, you know, then Sweet Child of Mine the following summer would become a humongous hit and catapult that album into just, you know, the stratosphere and then I'm and then they changed the cover and now fast forward to how many years later you know 35 years later or whatever it is now and I'm back doing vinyl again and I go through my old collection and sure enough it's not there and I have to go out and spend $130 to find you know a, a legitimate copy of it because there's so many um bootleg and phony ones out there there's certain uh, little points on that original album with the original cover that have to match one, up otherwise it's a fake it's i a got you case. one sec don because now alex is on speakerphone on my cell so he was in a meeting hey alex can you uh i mean do you have the number to call into the studio yeah i'll talk to you in a second <laughs> oh good well, well you want to sign off me and you and then i'll let you pick up with alex uh i'm gonna wrap up with you and kind of like maybe tag you know, you can say hi to Alex and then, uh, you know, yell at him for being late or whatever, just to kind of make it funny. I get in my head because some some radio shows are like that. You'll have one guest on and then you'll have another guest, or sometimes they overlap. So I try to make it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because I should probably get rolling, but um, yeah, well, let's we'll do a tag off. And dude, I appreciate the time, man. This was so much fun. I'm glad you had fun. This was honestly like kind of an honor for me. This is really cool. You know, watching someone on. Uh, on TV, someone who I kind of, you know, I look at your career and it's like, okay, how can I kind of take things and learn from that, you know, in my own uh, kind of career? Uh, so uh, while we're waiting on Alex to call, I mean, like, just call him one number. <laughs> could be another, it could be another hour. So. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I guess, did you want to be a comedian or did you want to be a rock star? I guess that's my, my, my last question for you before we get Alex. Yeah, I mean, the answer was, is both, you know. Um... My first two albums were Kiss Destroyer and George Carlin, Occupation Fool. So, nice. you know, uh, I played in bands in high school and, and I realized, you know, oh, boy, you got to lug your equipment. You got to split the money five ways. You know, the, this guy's mom doesn't want him in the band. This guy's girlfriend doesn't want him in the band. I'm like, you know what? Comedy's a lot easier. I just put my dick jokes in my pocket and I go. Pun intended, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it, it was a lot easier just to put my jokes in my pocket and go. I didn't have to lug an amp or, or a guitar or a drum set or anything. And but like I said, I you know I always kept that rock attitude to what I do. You know, when I go out, I, I like to think of it as giving, you know, a rock and roll performance. You know, I'm, I'm very aggressive with the crowd. I'm loud. I'm in your face. And you know, that's so a lot of my style. You know, as much as. I worship lots of other comedians. A lot of my style was influenced also by 
by, you know, front men like David Lee Roth or Ozzy or people like that, you know, Alice Cooper, where, you know, they gave you a show, you know, you couldn't take your eyes off the stage. So, you know, I, I'm not putting myself in their league, but, uh, you know, I took just as much from them in terms of performance as I did from a George Carlin or an Andrew Dice Clay or anybody like that. What about an Alex Grassi? Do you look up to him as he joins us? I used hey, good morning. <laughs> good morning. Yeah. I used to look up to him when he was when he was professional and called in on time. <laughs> oh yeah, you know I I also have a, you know I run a business here. You know it was a booking still a crazy booking morning. Um, how you guys doing? I'm, I'm, we're doing great. I mean, you know, uh, Don and I have become uh, best friends forever. We're going to share uh, a locket now. He has one half, I have the other. So uh, we were just chatting. Um, I guess it's going to be the first half of this podcast, and I guess it works because I, I don't want to. I didn't want one of you to sit on too much on the sideline or when the other one answered the question. So, um, Don, unless there's anything else for you to say to me or to Alex or the listener, I want to know like. Because, of course, you're opening up on uh, dates for Hookers and Blow, but uh, what else can we um, – what do you have on the horizon? Where can we find you? I know you're, a big, uh, you're big on Twitter. Uh, what, what else do we need to know from Don Jameson? Yeah, no, look, if I, if I survive the Hookers and Blow tour, uh, look, look for me on the road at the comedy club near you, and uh, com is the website. And uh, that's it. I'm really excited to go out with these guys. It's it's, it's such a great group of guys. Everyone's a character. Um, we're going to say awful things to each other. Um, and like I said, horrible, 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 horrible things. Horrible, horrible, <laughs> deplorable things. Alex will tell you the deplorable story. Um, <laughs> we're the original deplorables, by the way. Okay. And we are. I'm exactly. going yes. to be the ringleader of the whole thing, man. And, and, and I can't be happier about it. So. Um, again, I appreciate it, Alex. Have fun with my man Brandon, and you and I, Brandon, will get together for uh, Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> yes, Lachayim, and I definitely look forward to uh, to seeing you when you play uh, the Black uh, Thorn in Queens. I think uh, that show's coming up soon, isn't it? That's that's January twenty first, I believe. Okay, that show. Yeah, that's okay. one of the last. Actually, that's, that's about, about uh, three quarters of the way through the tour, I believe. Well, that's the closest one that I could go to, so that's the one yeah. I got on my <laughs> on my calendar. So, uh, thank you, Don. Uh, he already hung up. So, um, uh, thank you, Alex, for connecting us. And uh, no uh, worries. I, I mean, you're a busy man. No, I've, I've been. You know, I've, I'm also in addition to being the guitarist in Hooker's Bowl, I'm also the manager and booking agent as well. And I had a little bit of a booking emergency this morning. So, well, you know, this morning is being out here in California. So it's been a long day so far. But anyway, I apologize. But thank you for having me. It's good to be here. <laughs> no, no, I, I, you've had a long day. And you know what? I had a long day uh, as well. Because obviously I'm in New York and you're, well, I thought you were in Vegas, but you're in California now. I guess I'm not like no, in Oh, same, same time zone, Vegas, yeah. Okay, well, I'm yes. in, I'm, Yeah, I'm in Vegas. And I was in California all day yesterday doing a, an interview with, um, with another, a lot of press, a lot of press going on for the tour, which is a good thing. Yeah, but um, it really, um, the thing about this whole, you know, the whole Hooker's Blow tour is that it really has kind of snowballed into, just no pun intended, really snowballed into a thing. Like, um, you know, we started off doing a week, and it's, it's two weeks, and it's three weeks. Now we're doing a bus. Now we're doing two legs of the tour. You know, we're doing uh, December dates uh, out here, and then getting the bus uh, in January and riding all the way, literally the circuit in the country in January. So, you know, there's a lot of logistics that need to go down, you know, to, um, 
kind of make everything happen. I mean, a bus in January is not necessarily the best decision, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I was surprised to see the amount of dates uh, condensed that you're doing, the amount of travel that you're doing, but it's great. It is, it is. And we literally are doing uh, 22 shows in 23 days at one point. <laughs> that's insane. That's, that's, if I may, that's a lot of hookers and blow. Like, that's a that's lot. That's a lot of hookers and blow in January, <laughs> no less. We're going to Colorado, Wyoming, and then all the way around the East Coast. So it's like, okay, let's just give it a shot. I mean, um, the nice thing is, you know, we've got a great company that's still you know, handling the tour bus and everything. So, and we put a little, I put a, as the booking agent, I put a buffer zone, you know, in case anything goes wrong, you know, snowstorms or flat tires or, you know, what have you as, as tour buses go. But, so, you know, it, it, it really, um, the way I see it is, for, if, we're, if we're out there, we might as well be out there. You know, if, you know, if there's markets like like Jackson, Wyoming, that don't get a lot of rock concerts, let's just go play there. You know, let's just go do it. You know, why not? And those are usually the fan bases that really appreciate it. You know, when I talk to comedians, I didn't get the chance to ask Don this, but when I've spoken to, uh, interviewed other comedians, they really seem to like the smaller markets some, because they seem more appreciative. Like, hey. You came out to, you yeah. know, so like uh, Arkansas, like, you know, we mean that too, that you come see us. So it is very cool, especially um, when you are a part of, you know, I, I, I don't want to label, I guess you guys play cover songs, but you're all stars in your own right. So a chance to see members of Guns N' Roses, Quiet Riot, uh, Enough's Enough, that's for them to go see, into your town. That's a pretty. That's pretty cool. When you guys don't have to, you're in big bands already. Well, you know, it's 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 it's, it's ironic because a lot of times, like um, you know, a band like Kiss will go on tour and do like all the major markets, like the Detroit, New York, Chicago, Boston, L.A., and then they'll come come back and they, you know, Kiss actually when they put their makeup back on the first time did the quote Lost Cities tour after the first leg of their reunion tour, you know, mm-hmm. with Ace and Peter. And I, and I remember thinking, no, it's, really, it's obviously it's, a, it's obviously more money, and that's, you know it's Kiss, but it's it it was like they're playing like very very odd small markets, and those shows would sell quicker, and then be people would, would be more into it than you know some of the bigger places. Because I mean, when you look, I mean, I was in Hollywood for 15 years, I was in Boston for five years, and New York, and you know you get something every single night of the week. There's something to do. Mm-hmm. However, in you know, like I said, Jackson, Wyoming, or you know, Boulder, Colorado, not not so much. You know, so just the fans are really uh, not not say well, I don't want to say starved for uh, for rock and roll, but I mean, I mean, especially overseas too. Some of these places, like these odd little little you know, towns in Europe and whatnot. Um, you know, they're 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 more appreciative and they're more. Uh, you know, it's just you know they wait like all year for that big rock concert to come around, and I don't know if Hookers and Blow would be you know, considered a big rock concert, but it's definitely something. <laughs> so we're going to bring it to him. It's, it's more than something. I, wa- I was telling uh, Don this, and uh, I know you met my, my co-host, uh, Scotto, over the weekend. Uh, yes, at Mohegan Sun, yes. Yeah, yeah. and at Sun. And was that the the second date where you not where you weren't supposed to play because Steve Stevens canceled? Was that, uh, or was that I, the first You know, I, I don't know. Um, we, we, we got booked the first night. And somebody, I don't even know who booked the second night, but they, uh, they, they said, hey, can you do two nights in a row? And I said, well, yeah, we're already going to be there. I had to, you know, juggle, like I said, I'll juggle the airlines and buy four new plane tickets, which is, you know, what I've been doing all day today. Mm-hmm. But, 
it's uh, we just ended up saying you know two nights in a row because uh, we were already there and there were some weather issues and uh, it ended up being a great little run. You know, two days, two nights in a row at the Wolf's Den. So it was, uh, you know, Mohegan Sun's a, a beautiful venue to begin with. So you know, that kind of uh, it's kind of just fell into our laps, but it, it ended up being it working out. It worked out great. They're really good people there. I was I was able to go. I again I don't want to you know because for the listener I don't want to tell. Uh, you things that I told Don, but this is just uh, f- too funny not to mention again. I said to Ian, when you go up, I'll, I'll go with you. He's like, well, I'm sleeping over. And he told me this before. He wants to take the Mensa test. We both the went. Mensa test? We both went to Hofstra wow. University. Oh, listen. Okay. We both went to Hofstra University here in Long Island. Decent school. It, it is. And now it hosts presidential elections. There are no members of Mensa coming from Hofstra University. I, he's like, oh, I don't think I am. I just want to, uh, you know, just to, for the experience. I think there's a small part of him who's like, maybe I'll register. So he slept over to take the test and then uh, went to go see you guys, and he sent us pictures that we posted on our social media. And the fan reaction was great, especially from the, the set list, songs that I wish Gene R would, would, would play, like um, Bad Obsession. So I'm assuming Dizzy comes up with a set list, or is that a... Uh, like how does that come about? Uh, especially yeah. now with, with with Frank, uh, I did not know he was going to play the first uh, couple of shows with you guys. So who? Neither did, neither did we. Oh yeah, really? That was a, okay. Wow. That's the beauty of that's the beauty of Hookers and Blow. We've done, now been doing this. I met Dizzy in two thousand two, two thousand three. Um, it was this was, was twenty eighteen. It'll be our fifteenth year of doing this. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we, but we've always had a rotating cast of different guys in the band. Um, as far as the set list goes, um, yeah, we kind of based it around the piano because, you know, Dustin Bones, Bad Obsession, Pretty Tied Up are all, you know, Use Your Illusion era songs that obviously Dizzy, you know, played on. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of deeper. And if you're not a real big gun fan, like, you know, like a, like a oh, I want to hear Sweet Child of Mine. Okay, well, yeah, of course, everyone does. But what about these songs? Now, me as a GNR fan, I'm like, this is really cool. So we kind of, over the years, made up the V set list, which really hasn't changed much, to be honest with you. Um, and it, it's, it's just, um, it, yeah, it's, it's, I noticed in the audience people going, oh, my God, they're playing this song. But it's, it makes perfect sense because, you know, because obviously Dizzy's fronting the band. And it's just, you know, I, I saw GNR a couple times on this reunion tour that were phenomenal, I thought, killer. And, they, you know, they, they played a lot of deeper cuts of Chinese democracy, Chinese democracy and whatnot, but um, these particular songs were just, you know, always kind of on the sidelines, I guess. And so that's kind of why it started that way. But And then uh, the covers we throw in there, you know, you saw the set list. It's like uh, just giving people a good show, you know, people you know, play the hits and then play the deep cuts for the fans and just have fun. I mean, again, we've written songs on stage before about nothing. That's the beauty of Hookers and Blow, you know? You never know what's going to happen. Uh, but I, I do, I, I love it. I love the set list. I like that you offer that because, you know, I first started my radio career in Cape Cod and, you know, the cover bands, of course, weren't of the uh, the level of Hookers and Blow, but it would be, you know, just the generic songs. Like if they played a Guns N' Roses song, it would be Sweet Child in the Mind. They played Santeria by Sublime. Things I'm just like, I'm tired of hearing this stuff, you know, especially working on radio. So it's, it's, it's very cool that you cater to the fans and give us what we're not getting. It's a nice compliment to a Guns N' Roses tour, really. It's like a nice after-dinner mint. 
Yeah, well, you know what it is. It's it's just like it's always been a very okay. Let me let me let me let me dumb it down to this, and this is a fact. And even Frank will attest. Disney and I have never written a set list before, and when I have written them, he'll just leave it in the dressing room or look at it and cross it up. You know, are we doing this song with Disney? It's the same twelve songs, <laughs> but <laughs> we never. It somehow, for some reason, it never makes it from the dressing room to the stage, but. We just call them out and play them, and it's loose. It's kind of like an old show's, you know, an old like, you know, if you watch old videos with Rod Stewart and the faces and whatnot, you'll see that they're just kind of they're not winging it, but they're just going for it. And you know, when you're on a, you know, when we tour with our with our quote day job bands, it's you know, it's it's a, it's a full production. There's lights and pyro and, and video screens that need to be you know lined up. In this band, we just kind of again we'll pick out the first three songs we're going to do, and then just wing it you know that's rock and roll um, that's the way it really it, it should be you know in a lot of uh, people's opinions where you know of course you you don't want chaos up there completely uh but that the element of danger where some people are saying are is now missing from the current incarnation of guns or roses oh I, I you know i i wouldn't i wouldn't say that because it's always that element there in, in a real rock band i mean when i you know they're they're i mean amazing that was it's, it's the first show I saw the, you know, not in this lifetime tour, I was blown away. And I've been a Guns fan since they, you know, since Live at the Ritz. And that's why it was the first record I bought was Appetite for Destruction. Um, but I, you know, it's still there. And I actually, my girlfriend and I went to go see him in Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago at the, you know, one of the last shows of this this tour, this you know, for 2017 tour. And I said, we're looking at the last rock band right now. I mean, I don't know who else is going to come out and do this. I mean. You know, in our, in our lifetime, at least, you know, think about it. I mean, in, in our generation, who well, what other band could, you know, is that big and has that catalog of songs? It's pretty amazing, you know. And they're and they're, and they're only playing just just a scratch of the surface of what they have for catalog. I mean, I'm a huge fan of every song they've done, you know. So it's actually very cool for me as a fan too, you know. No, I I do want uh, no, and I understand what you're saying that. And for someone who. Uh, is part of a band who has had lineup changes and, you know, what should they do going forward, that being with Quiet Riot. You know, your perception, I think, is is unique to that. Uh, so I want to find out a little bit more about you before we obviously, you know, yes, it's a Guns N' Roses podcast, but we, yeah. care, we care about Alex Grassi, the person, as well. <laughs> I'm glad somebody does because I've been working all <laughs> day on a, on a, can I swear on here? Yes, you can. <laughs> Where did you grow up? Okay, I was born, um, I'm 41 years old. I was born in Connecticut, actually, um, East okay. Coast. I was born in Hartford. Um, Yankee fan? Oh, to... Whalers fan? Are you a Whalers fan? Uh, no, no, okay. I, Whalers fan? No. Okay. I was a Bruins fan, but the Whalers and Bruins, the Whalers are so bad. When okay. the Bruins would come to town, I'd go to see them and to be more Bruins fan. Fair. <laughs> the Whalers fans at the, at the Hartford Civic Center. All right, um, fair enough. But as far as baseball goes, my family is Red, Red Sox all the way. Um, um, all right, all right. We'll, all we'll, right, I don't want to get into that. Uh, <laughs> okay, moving on. I, I, I've, been, I just, I've been dealing with this my whole life because literally Hartford, Connecticut is pretty, basically halfway between New York and Boston. Right. So it was always, you go to Yankee Stadium and see the Sox play the Yankees or you go to Fenway and see, by, you know, vice versa. Okay, well, who are you rooting for? And I remember actually when I went to, um, after I finished high school, I got a scholarship to the Berkeley College of Music in Boston. Oh wow! And which is literally 
you can throw a rock from there and hit Fenway Park almost. It's very close. Sure. I used um, to live in um, – I, I started radio in Cape Cod, but I would visit uh, Boston, Stoughton, Austin, and all those cities quite often. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 Boston, it's a small city, but it's still – you know, it, it's, all, it's almost like New York's obviously a bigger city and, you know, it's New York, but – you know, it's it's like the, the you know the underdog. You know, like the like the Rudy Rudiger of cities. <laughs> you yeah. will, you know. Yeah. Until um, the, until you won the World Series, but yes. Sorry, I go off and on. Uh, I have ADD sometimes, but so do so do I. Believe me, I've been working all day on a lot of different. I've been working on different things all morning. So, anyways, it's um, it, you know, growing up back there. Was very. Uh, it was interesting because I never wanted to live in you know New York or Boston, but by proxy, you know, being in Hartford, Connecticut, there was really no music scene. So the second I finished high school, which all throughout high school I played in cover bands, you know, doing the bar scene in Connecticut, I oh I said I got I got to get out of here, you know. So it's about you know I got got the Berkeley deal and went up there and two weeks into my Berkeley tenure tenure when you started all that I got called to play guitar for a band called Angry Salad. Um, and we uh, we toured for a couple of years. We got a record deal with Atlantic Records, spent the shit ton of their money, and um, then got dropped, like most bands. You know, you think you're going to make it, like, oh, here we go. Nope. You know, our record came out the same week, Devil Without a Cause, that Kid Rock came out. Oh, wow. And, yeah, so all of a sudden Atlantic goes, well, every dollar we give you guys, we're getting a negative two dollars back every dollar every dollar we give to kid rock we're getting 25 dollars back so guess what you're dropped um from there i the rest of the band cut their hair got regular jobs got married had children and i moved to los angeles and that's kind of the abbreviated story of my life in so many words but i i like that though that you are still uh committed to to making it uh so then you know, speed up a little bit because, I mean, for someone you weren't sure and you got dropped from your first uh, label. So, like your ba- like you just said, your bandmates, in, in essence, moved on from that. You did not. Yeah, they, they I, I call it, you know, the best way to put it is this. There's people that are lifers that are in it, to, you know, just to go. And there's people that just, okay, I'm going to try this, but I have something to fall back on. I don't have any, I didn't have anything to fall back on. I said, well, I mean, I, what was I, I, mean, I was already doing club dates and touring, like, like you know, regional touring in high school. So once I finished high school, I did, you know, went to Berkeley, but Berkeley is not going to get you, make you a rock star, which I think is hilarious because they actually had a rock star class at Berkeley, Rock and Roll 101. I'm like, wait a second, how do you what? teach rock and roll? Yeah, they, they actually did when I went there in the late 90s. That's like um, an oxymoron. A, That's just like, you don't... Exactly. Yeah. So in a school to be a rock star, it's like, well, say, hold on. Didn't... If I'm waiting for C.C. DeVille to walk in and go, hey, we woke up to you. First year, class to be a rock star, you know? Yes. And no, I, I said I got some dude. I, forgot, I, I I couldn't tell you his name because he's not a rock star, A. And B, uh, why am I going to school to do something that's an, so anti-establishment to begin with? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. And that day, even the first day of Rock and Roll 101, I'm walking home and they had the, uh, well, obviously it's before the internet was, you know, as, you know, no Facebook, no MySpace, all that. And they had those little, you know, signs on a telephone pole. Guitar, hard rock guitar player needed. 
for bands, you know, put a little pull tab on it, you pull the tab off and call it. I called the number and uh, I got a gig, you know, got the gig with a band and dropped out of school, dropped out of college right there and there, you know, quit my job, got rid of my apartment, threw everything I had in a couple suitcases and literally went on the road for a couple of years. So we got signed. Welcome yeah. to the jungle, essentially. Welcome to the jungle. It was it basically that. I mean, because, you know, you know, well, I, was, I actually got a job working at um, a place called Wurlitzer's Music. It's long gone. It was next door to Berkeley. Um, on uh, on Mass Avenue, and it's it just uh, it was more it was it was a reality check because I realized okay this entire thing is a business. It's not just playing guitar. It's not just you know be, all these guys are going to school to be the best guitarists in town. But again, that's an oxymoron too. Like, what do you what do you really want to do? You want to be you know form the next dream theater, or do you want to just go and you know be a rock star? I'm like, well, I want to. Be, sustain a living you know i want to work and um you know managing the music store you know which i eventually became before i left uh really taught me that it's you know it's 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 a business whether people want to admit it or not it is you know no absolutely and that's uh that's been another topic of discussion here on the podcast you know when we were speculating about the reunion as far as um why they may have done it, whether it's 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 money or just uh, feelings, combination of both, and and just that that phrase comes down a lot. It's just it's a business, and that's why you know maybe Izzy's not a part of it now. And so there's been a that's it's whether we like it or not, that's uh, the truth. But you you stuck with it, and you've been successful. So let's speed up, unless I'm, I'm missing something, because you worked with like huge names. It wasn't just you quit after your first band. No, no, no. Basically, when the band got dropped, it was an AOL merge with Time Warner. Okay, we're at like Warner Brothers. I was on. We were we were signed to Atlantic. Um, it was Warner Brothers, Electra, Atlantic. Everything merged with AOL, and everyone. I mean, hundreds of people lost their job. Literally, I was watching Ray, the Ray Charles movie the other night. Um, so was I. With Jamie Foxx. Okay, and I'm looking at Ahmed Erdogan being played by the booger from Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> Who, by the way, is Curtis Armstrong, I believe his name is. Yeah. Dawson Dudley. Call me Booger. Curtis Armstrong. Okay, why do I know that? Don't ask me. Anyways, um, I'm looking at it going, okay, this is, they were an independent label back then, okay? They signed this little guy, this unknown artist named Ray Charles. And uh, they built, he literally built that label into what it is, and it's, you know, to, to, to go from, you know, getting signed to that label and having, you know, their, their checkbook in your back pocket to nothing overnight and being bought. I believe they even bought our name away. I don't even remember, you know. Mm. I didn't, you know, I was the guitar player, not the manager, not the uh, key member clause in the contracts. And whatnot. This is for but Angry Salad, was, right? Angry Salad, yeah. It was, it was you know, I, I'll never forget, I was in Portland, Maine, and I got the phone call, our manager goes, ah, so I got some bad news. Uh, we're dropped. Like, do we drop? It's over? That's it? And I immediately went into survival mode. I said, well, I'm 21, 21 years old, 22. I think I signed a deal when I was 20, you know, something, something, you know, I'll have to go back and look. But it was a huge reality check because bands back then was like, the attitude was, we're going to get signed, we're going to make it. And then once you get signed, you think everything's going to happen perfectly. No, getting signed is just one more step. So when I moved to L.A., I go, okay, I'm starting zero again. You know, wiped the site clean, and I met, I, play, I ended up, uh, you know, in a couple of different bands. Ironically, 
my big quote break in Hollywood was joining a man called Beautiful Creatures, replacing DJ Ashba, who was joining, well, at the time doing his own thing, but he ended up in GNR for you know, a couple of years. Right. Because I saw you in Beautiful Creatures, but I, you're right. Obviously, you're right. You know, it wasn't with DJ, but I know that you replaced him. No, so I that's replaced kinda cool. him. Yeah, I replaced him. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. I actually, I went to go see Beautiful Creatures play, and I saw DJ's last show, and I went to rehearsal the next morning and played through his amp. Oh, you know, it was that, that's how it was like, you know, but in L.A. things, you know, in, in the real, you know, in the real world of that industry, when when things are actually, you know, moving forward and you know, they had a second record deal, which, you know, not only did I have to, to join the band, but I had to write a second record right off the bat. I had to you know, go in and, and hit the ground running in that. OK, uh, OK, so you're in the band. Cool. You got the right haircut. Can you got tattoos? All right. So, all right, let's, let's write the record now. OK, let's do it. You know, you got to, you know, it's, it's really, it, it, as things progressed in the industry, um, people's attention spans got a lot shorter, so you had to be able to deliver on the spot. But, you know, um, and, you know, aside from that, I played with J, uh, J.D. Lane from Warrant, yes. who's no longer with us, and mm-hmm. Kevin Dubrow's solo band, which, you know, got me the Quiet Riot gig. Um, but it was, you know, it was really, uh, you, know, we, you know, one thing I learned is, Going on auditions, I would do three or four auditions a day, you know, playing, you know, auditioning for everyone for 30 seconds to Mars to, you know, this one, you know, one day would be like huge. Next day would be, you know, eh, a two hour audition would be at the beginning of the audition. Hey, we're doing Lollapalooza. Can you do that? Yep. Okay. Sign here. Sign here. But two hours later, hey guys, we're off Lollapalooza. Wait, wait, how did that happen? Wait, what? (laughs) You know? That's got to be a very, you know, and I was saying it to Don as far as him being a comedian, uh, just a, a very, such a difficult life. So, so the, the, the decision that you made, the decision that, you know, Axel made, they, that they all made just to leave to their homes and, and to make this life for themselves. And, you know, yes, you can have success. Um, it wasn't immediate with Guns N' Roses, as much, many people don't realize, because it took a, like a year for that album to, to really launch. But there are people... You know, like you, who worked hard, and yes, you can call yourself a lifer, but you did find success, but you had to find it in different spots, and that kept you going, where I think a lesser person, a a person who's not as strong, or didn't have maybe the vision, say, hey, this is what I want, this is is what I am, uh, wouldn't have kept going, and you wouldn't have been able to work with, uh, you know, Kevin, which led to you being in Quiet Riot. You know, you are uh, working with Gilby Clark and being uh, working with Steven Adler and, and just doing all these really cool things uh, to have. A, you have like a nice back of your baseball card. That's the, the, the time exactly. in sports. You know what? My stats, my stats. Yeah. yeah. Yep. If you want to call it that. You know, it, once you get out there, it's, you realize one thing. And I, I, did, I, I you know, you take a Los Angeles, it's a huge city, which it is. But it's a very small town, if that makes any sense. In other words, everybody knows everybody. Um, it's, 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 it's still a small pond. And, you you know, once you get, you know, when I first went out there, I got, got an agent and said, you know, you know, I want to go on, I want to play, I'll play, I'll play anything just to pay my bills, you know. But then you realize the real gigs, are they're all word of mouth. I mean, I met everyone I played with through a guy who knew a guy, not through an agency, not through an audition. It's, mm-hmm. it's more like, hey, this guy's solid. You trust him? Yeah, handshake deals left and right. Um, but you have to realize, like, it's 
95% of this business is just being on time, which I was not today, and I apologize for. But. <laughs> it's all good. It's I, all good. I, I had a chicken parm uh, fiasco the time when we were supposed to. I was going to say, how, how do you get sick from a chicken parm? How? I, I don't know. It's the first time I ever uh, grub-hubbed for my apartment. I usually— I, you know, Oh, you grub-hubbed? Well, in I usually— grub-hubbed. Well, I mean— My girlfriend do it all the time. It works great. No, it does do. I usually do it at the radio station, but I was yeah. super lazy at my apartment in Long Island, so I, you know, this place was not, uh, recommended. Uh, you know, I had nice five stars on Grubhub, and I just knew when I took this wad of cheese that it just did not feel good going down and just uh, waking up. Oh, uh, yeah, it's probably uh, the dairy. Yeah, the dairy will do that. I have a, I have like selective. Um, uh, lactose intolerance, because I mean, I I, I eat on top. I of do my... too, actually. Believe it or not, I but do. <laughs> it doesn't make sense though, because I'm like a Ninja Turtle. I eat a ton of pizza. I like ice cream, but there's ice creams will get ice cream is what gets me. Don't ask me why, but I was, you know, never had a problem growing up. But as I hit, once I hit like thirty, one little bowl of ice cream from like you know um, Cold Stone or whatever. All of a sudden, you know, oh, why are we talking about this? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I feel your pain. I get it. Totally get it. <laughs> well, yeah, it's uh, it's keeping the uh, the conversation organic and real. Oh, exactly. Yeah. No, it, no it, it's it's the, the, this whole band hookers and blow the whole thing, which you know, and I, I like to back to the beautiful creatures connection. Joel Stay, the lead singer for Creatures. He was also in Bang Tango, who I also play guitar for and did a couple of records with. Mm-hmm. Um, we call him the impetus, meaning he sort of brought everybody together. And that's really how I met Dizzy, because DJ's last show, Dizzy was sitting in for a couple of songs on piano. And I met Dizzy that night. And I said, dude, I love Guns N' Roses. I'm a huge fan. You know, I'm still a fan at the end of the day, no matter who it is. If it's a band I grew up with, I'm a fan. Be it Quiet Riot, Poison, Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, Kiss, Aerosmith, you know, whoever. I'm still a music fan. You know, you have to, you know, love what you do and, and not just look at it like a business or, you know, a college degree. And the next day he came into the studio and that's kind of how the whole thing started. I said, uh, you know, would you, uh, you want to do some shows? He's like, yeah, we got to start, we start a band. I go, hmm, okay. So he just says to it? you, he's like, we should just start a band. Yeah. We, we just kind of met at this place called the cat club and, you know, he looked at me and I said, I, I, I can book some shows back east, you know, because I'm a booking agent as well. And I, I said, did he read band? Did he read Guns N' Roses? He goes, hookers and blow. <laughs> I go, what? Hookers and blow. I go, okay. And I went back to my, con- you know, to the venues and said, can we call it hookers and blow? And they said, yeah. And I called Busy Max. Yep, let's do it. Right there. Literally, literally within like eight hours, we was done. And we have not looked back since, <laughs> or looked forward to for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> That's great because I mean I've heard I've heard about Hookers and Blow for the longest time, so that name, you know, has worked. You know, it is. It, it's it's kind of like this. Here's the best analogy I can make. Okay, you got your day job, you got your real gig, you got your life, your wife, your kids. Hookers and Blow is kind of like going on that fishing trip with your buddies every couple of months, where you just could get away and have fun. I mean, we're not reinventing the wheel we're not even using a wheel half the time it's just it's just we just fly by the seat of our pants and go for it um it's 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 really one of those things that you know we've we're kind of like the seinfeld of cover bands it's one big nothing but in a good way in a good way because because people, great great analogy people, yeah you know seinfeld i mean i still to this day watch that show you know two or three times you know you know after after dinner it's like 
Oh, here's another. I've seen this episode 10,000 times, but I still want to watch it again. But it's the same episode. There, and, and there's no morals of the story. It's just what's going on here. I don't know. But it's funny and it's entertaining. And entertaining is what we do. You know, it's just uh, we're, we're having, I, I think when a band's on stage enjoying each other's company and having fun, the audience is into that as opposed to, you know, you, you know, going to see a band that's just, you know, everything's on tape and just do, 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 very regimented. That's not really what rock and roll is about. But unfortunately, or, you know, it's just, you know, you have to do it. I mean, I've been in bands where, you know, we're barely playing live on stage, but you got to do it that way because let's say the singer can't hit the notes. Um, you know, and of course, then six months later, they're dropped and they go into obscurity again. But for some reason, Hookers and Blow is, has outlasted a lot of bands that have had like, you know, million dollar, you know, double platinum, triple platinum careers. And we've played the same 12 cover songs for 15 years and we're still doing it. So I don't know. We did everything we were told not to do and it worked. Isn't you that know? the uh, kind of the MO, what rock and roll really is or should be? You know, tell me what to do. I'm not going to do it. That's rock and roll. And, you know, you're, you're going to well, like it yeah. one way or the other. Well, because we, we have, when you have nothing, you have nothing to lose. And we were just like, okay, well, we all have our jobs, our, our quote, day jobs, like I said. But we're going to go out and play. We're going to go to your city. We're going to just, you know, oh, you want us to learn new songs? No. You want us to show up on time? No. You want us to do, you know, everything we were taught to do, we didn't. Because it wasn't really a band. It was, just, it was more concepts than a band. It still is. And it's, it's just fun. It's lighthearted. You know, no one's, there's no malicious intent. There's no, you know, jealousy and this and that. Because a lot of bands, especially moving to Los Angeles, I noticed, um, you know, there's a lot of animosity. Which Musicians are a very petty and jealous lot of people, if you will. And, you know, they, um, there's always an agenda under the agenda under the agenda. With us? We're just here. We're hookers and blow. We don't know. Why are we doing this? We don't even know. But anyways, <laughs> here we go. You know, it was it's just it's like I said, like a fishing trip or a camping trip just for the bunch of guys that have fun and you know, as far as the deplorable thing goes, and Tom mentioned the last tour we did, okay, this is I don't want to get political here, but uh, I ref- I believe that at one point there's something to do with Donald Trump and the deplorables. I don't know what that meant. Um we got an email to our Facebook page, and we played the, uh, a venue in Hartford, Connecticut, okay? Um, and we were good. I, you know, we were on time. We were nice. We were, you know, cordial to everybody. And the next morning, I got an email to the Facebook page saying, I'd like to say one thing right now. I was a father of one of the opening bands, you know, the opening band's drummer or whatever. Your behavior was nothing short of deplorable. <laughs> and I go... I look at. I read it in the van to Dizzy and, and, and to Don and to Johnny and I said, "What do we do?" Like I, I didn't even understand it. it, was, it just did the you bite the head off a bat? Did you pee? Did you kick a secure uh, no. cavern person in the face? Ozzy Osbourne bit a head. Okay, exactly. He bit the head off a bat. Okay, he peed on the Alamo in a dress, or that, or so, so, or so the legend goes. We showed up. We were. I mean, we were ourselves. And I go, we maybe just are the idea, the fact that we're doing this professionally and, you know, and it is, is deplorable, but that is rock and roll, you know? So I go, I don't know what we did. And I look around like, we were good last night. I go, well, define good. <laughs> you know, no one, you know, no one got arrested. So that's good. You know, we've, we've had some definite um, moments that are, that are, um, you know, we've, I, I always keep a journal of things. And I'm like, 
we really kind of kept this thing going for a long time. And again, why? That's like, if we ever made a movie about the band, I just call it why. Why? <laughs> and we're still doing it, you know? No, that's, I, I think that's really cool, and you're making a lot of people happy. And, and like I said before, it's it's a really nice compliment to Guns N' Roses fans who have seen multiple shows on just this tour alone and have, haven't had gotten enough. They have... And it's, it's it's cool that you want to play the material because, um, not to cut you off, but you were a part of a couple of Guns N' Roses tribute albums or compilation records. I I, I actually got hired to play guitar and some some I don't even know what they I, I I couldn't even tell you what they're called. You know what it is basically? They would call and say, "Hey, can you blow a solo on this thing or play on this?" And it's again, like, yeah, I got to pay my rent. I'll do whatever. Uh, well. But uh, as a fan, I always love the fact that I was playing with something that, you know, I don't want to call it keep my musical integrity, but it's like when you get hired to play in Katy Perry's band or in uh, Pink's band, it's not the same as playing music that you grew up listening to and like with the guy who recorded it. So it's, it's fun, you know, it's cool. And it's, and people, like I said, the audience can pick up on that, you know, they can tell it's genuine. So yeah, it's definitely, um, it's definitely, or in a way, it's organic, which, which, you know, a lot of the, in this day and age with music, it's not not too easy to find. And, no, it's not. And just so you know, the names of the albums that you were on for the uh, compilation, they both came out in two thousand six. I didn't know this prior to uh, today either. Um, uh, one is "It's So Easy," a Millennium tribute to Guns N' Roses, and the other one is Chinese Hypocrisy, a tribute to Guns N' Roses. I, I you know what, I did I, the label called me to send the tracks in. I don't know what they're called, though. Is it, I mean, Chinese Hypocrisy? That's, that's, that's not cool. Yeah, um, I, I, I looked. It was, it's a normal, like, tribute album, but when the fa- the name of the record, I was like, whoa, what is that about? Well, you, you, you know what? I Again, I don't know. I just got hired to play the tracks. I did it. Um, but it, it came out before things. Chinese finally dropped, so maybe they were just making fun of the name somehow. I don't yeah, know. yeah, I think The Offspring tried to call their, their album Chinese Democracy as yes. well. Yes. And, yeah, the, uh, yeah, so, you know, how'd that work out for for them, <laughs> where are the offspring right now? I, I don't know. Play Wigan Sun. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know? where are, no, we actually where are the offspring? Because I don't know. I just saw Guns N' Roses sell out fifty stadiums in a row. I don't see the offspring out there doing it. So somebody has the last laugh, don't they? No, yeah. I mean, I was a uh, offspring's are different. I mean, I grew up with them on uh, the K Rocks, but they never hit anything close to the level of what GNR <laughs> is. Like, and you know they're a respectable '90s band, but again, I could not do a podcast about the Offspring. That's not. I cool. couldn't talk to you about 30, <laughs> 30 seconds about the Offspring, but I can talk about GNR for ten hours. So I, I you know, again, just, you know, okay, imitation is the biggest form of flattery, I suppose. But uh, it's 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 just you know, and that's no to expect to the Offspring or you know any any bands that you know just be it might be not you know, their thing, whatever, but I don't understand why, you know, people would uh, do so, you know. Well, I think it's, like I think for the longest, maybe you, I don't, you could tell me if you agree uh, or not, but of course uh, Chinese democracy was a, uh, a myth for so long and it became a joke, you know, for in the, in the public, you know, there will actually be democracy in China before that album drops. So uh, now Axel has to laugh, la- last laugh over everybody. You know, well, no, it, it, well, it's you know, it, well, look, this is the you know, there's there's a truth. There's an old saying: the truth is in the groups. And when you watch a band play three and a half, four hours, and every single song either a hit or a great song or whatever, and you're entertaining people from I home civilians who don't like, just you know, you know, they know the big hits, 
all the way down to people like me who know you know Ozone's every song. It's okay. This is a real rock and roll band. Led Zeppelin can do that. The Beatles could do that. You know, um, I can't think of too many other bands that could. Or Aerosmith could do a three and a half hour show and be like, okay, cool. Uh, I'd love to see a three and a half hour Offspring show. <laughs> what would that be like? Yeah, okay, that's... so I'm gonna I'm gonna end it right there. Okay, fair enough. Well, then I want to segue into uh, you know your your other band now, which is Quiet Riot, which um. I learned something cool when we did an interview a few episodes ago with uh, Stevie Rochelle from uh, Tough and Metal Sludge. And, you know, with, with Frankie leading this band, being the drummer, and this was around the time where Bobby Blotzer was taking the rat name and we're trying to figure out who should really be in the Guns N' Roses reunion. So a lot of questions is, you know, uh, good fodder for conversation. Well, you know, Stevie said, though, which I, I liked, he's like, Frankie went to... Kevin, uh, his mom, and got you know her blessing. So to me, I'm like, you could do whatever you want, and it goes back to your point of just making a living and giving people what well, you know. You know, I'm, I'm going to say this: I was lucky enough to play with Kevin, and I met you know Kevin was actually you know during Quiet Riot was my first big break, and still is. And I'm going to say this about that, and leave it. Mm-hmm. There's one person on planet Earth that Kevin would have wanted to be carrying on the name and the legacy of Quiet Riot and those songs and the, you know, the iconic everything, you know, all the way back to Randy Rhodes, it's Frankie Benali. He's the only guy. I mean, I can't, you know, I, I know, I knew Kevin very well. Not, not obviously not as well as, you know, kept Frankie did, but uh, he, he would have wanted it that way. I, I, I know that. And I, you know, that's, you know, what it comes down to because it's like everybody can form an opinion about anything, whether or not, it's who's in, you know, the new reunion of, you know, it's Led Zeppelin got back together, for example. Well, okay, who would play drums? Well, Jason Bonham, because I don't know about you, but if my kid was going to take my place in my band after I passed away, I'd probably be for it. Just like with the Eagles, but, how Glenn Fry's son, I think uh, Don Henley exactly. said there's no yeah. way we could do this without, and it's however he wants to do it, I forget his uh, his name, forgive me, Um but he's like, however long Glenn's son wants to do it, then we'll do it. When he doesn't, then that's the end of the Eagles. Well, yeah, you know, and, and it was just like Leonard Skinner. It's like people, you know, I mean, the ultimate example is, the, you know, we're, our bodies are not built to last. We're not. We're, we're human beings. Right. We're, we're, we're going to all end up dust and bones, no pun intended. But, <laughs> well, um, well played. I like that. Nice. No, thank you very much. <laughs> I'll be here all week trying to swordfish. Um, sword? I like that. Um, but our, the the art that you make is built to last. I mean, you know, I mean, Mozart, I feel still here on the radio, mm-hmm. who was, you know, hundreds of years ago. It's like, okay, well, you know, you got to keep going no matter what it is. And uh, any band, you know, it's not about money. It's not about earning a living. It's just, you know, keep, keep on keeping on. Kind of like, you know, Joe Dirt would say, <laughs> just, just do it. You know, you just do 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 what you do. And, and, and that's, what we do. I mean, when you commit your life to something and donate everything you have to an, to an, you know, to an industry or to an art form, and then it goes away, you got to just keep doing it, whatever that may be. I mean, like when I moved to LA, when, when Avery Seller got dropped from, you know, when, you know, the labels dissolved, it's like, okay, well, I got to keep going, figure something out. And that's, you know, I, you know, as far as, any band goes, it's really just a matter of, you know, as long as, you know, people that want to, fans want to hear music and they want to, you know, go out there and do it, you know, and, and you know, pay the money to see the shows and, and, and enjoy the music. And, you know, it's, it's, 
I I believe hard rock is more of a lifestyle music, almost like the Grateful Dead was. Now the Grateful Dead, they I don't believe they even went platinum even once. I don't think they did. You can Google that. But they would sell out stadiums because it was a lifestyle. People would go there, smoke weed in the parking lot, drop acid, whatever. I was never a dead Grateful Dead fan. And then when that went away, from the Dave Matthews picked up where they left, that left off and kept those, you know, that kind of state of five going. So I don't think it's going anywhere. You know, it's it's just a matter of just do what you do, you know, keep on keeping on. Life's a uh, Garden of Eden. Just dig it. Just dig it. See what it, instead of no, 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 no. Life's, life's a garden. Dig it. You got to keep on keeping on. Life's a garden, dig it. I know that, but I changed it to a Guns N' Roses song, Garden oh, of Eden. okay, well. See, I was trying to, you know, hybrid the pun in Guns N' Roses. It well, failed, it failed miserably. Bones, but yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. So um, then let me ask you something that we, we've spoken about, and it relates to, to Quiet Riot in, in, as well as Guns N' Roses, and that's the, the brand of the band in the lasting power. Uh, you know, people know Guns N' Roses. They know the logo. People know Quiet Riot. They know that the name of the band, that brand. Uh, so what do you think about, like, I don't know if you've seen the videos of it, Dio, the hologram. Do you foresee that happening with, you know, with, uh, like, with other? You know what? Go ahead. Mm-hmm. I actually foresee it happening with us because okay. I want to be the first band to do holograms while we're still alive. Now, if they can make a Tupac hologram. He's obviously no longer with us. Mm-hmm. Barney James Dio, obviously, God bless him, no longer with us. I want to do a hologram while we're still alive. What do you mean? That's that literally because we just don't want to leave the house. Here, here's a hologram, but oh. we're still alive. <laughs> you just, you don't, you <laughs> just, so that'll save you money on touring. Uh, on, on It'll touring. also probably be in the Guinness Book of World Record because who else has done that? Uh, oh, by the way, I just said it on the radio, so I guess somebody's going to pick up the idea. But um, <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's, what do I think of that? I think... Again, it's you know whatever whatever you think is right. I I, I can't what, you can't form an opinion. I don't have a, an opinion formed on that. It's just like okay. you know. But but it's I get it because at the end of the day, yeah, you're still hearing the songs. The band's playing it. Cool. You know. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, whatever whatever. It, every situation is different. Just like it's like, kind of like this. If four couples that are you know, getting divorced or having trouble or going to therapy together, you can't compare all four of them because they're all having different things, right. different situations. So I have no comment on that. I just, I will say this, so hookers and blow, we will do a hologram. <laughs> uh, at least to me, because I, I can't do this much longer. I'm getting sick of it. No, I'm, I'm kidding, of course. No, uh, I got you. No, because it, it's a thought because it's something that we talk about, again, with the, the brand or what maybe bands will do going forward. You know, what 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 will Guns N' Roses do going forward? Of course, speculation. I, you know what? Touring I, I, or... I'm, not, I'm not in the bands for those questions, but... Uh, no, it's just your opinion. I, that's all. You know, yeah, my, in my opinion, I mean, this, again, we're not built to last, but our music is, whatever that may be, you know, whatever band you're in. And maybe a hundred, I mean, a hundred years from now, there's probably, I mean, right now they can put a Liberace hologram out there and people will go because, you know, it's, the music's iconic. The songs are iconic. They're they're embedded in people's heads, and and you know they're a big part of people's lives. So you know, again, why not let it live on? You know, in any case, I mean, you know, I mean, look at look at Bon Scott, passed away, and those songs still you know, they're still playing arenas and and touching people and, and moving people in a way that music does. So 
I uh, yeah, you know what? As long as it's done in a positive and respectful way, I have no, I don't really have any problem with it. And that, is I that... just don't want to do a hologram of myself. So when I can't tour with hookers and blow, I can still be out there. <laughs> <laughs> it's smart. You're smart. You're going to save a, a lot of money, and you could do a whole show from your shower, and they, nobody would be Okay, no, no, but here's, here's, the, here's the question. If there's a hologram of someone out there, and they lose their, the airline loses your luggage, what mm. happens? Because they can basically fold you up and put you in a suitcase, I guess. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know what happens. Oops. I think this is going to have to be. Uh, we're going to have to storyboard this and plan this for uh, part two. Of it's got to be well thought out, that's for sure. But you know, it, you know, it's it's. Uh, I, I personally have never seen in person a hologram show, but I, apparently it's you know. Again, we're not, none of us are getting any younger, so you never know what could happen, you know. But uh, no, it's it's again, it's just interesting, and especially when you're working with so because it makes me think of just younger bands, and yes, bands like Quiet Riot, ACDC, and GNR can live on. But you got somebody young, James Durbin, uh, from American Idol, now fronting the band. So for someone, yeah, who's that, I, I, yeah, but, he's he's you know he's just he's just, he's James is great, and uh, it's he's carrying on the legacy, which is what we're doing. That's it. He's, uh, he's right, but it's a, like a great guy, great singer, you know. Right, but that's um the point being with through Frankie's, um, he's reinventing this band, and that's what GNR uh, was doing, I guess, prior to the. Um, the semi-reunion when Axel was trying to reinvent uh, GNR. And that's a little bit, I don't know, if, if what ACDC is doing now with uh, with Axel Rose. So I guess, uh, I guess I'm curious what your I opinion I, on I, that. I, I don't really have an opinion because I don't even know what's what. All I can say is this. It's just keeping the music out there and keeping it alive, whatever it takes. You know, you got to do it. Fair enough. Um, I, I don't really, I mean, I don't know who's in ACDC today. or You know, I know that, I, I will say this much. I saw the video, you know, YouTube's of uh, ACDC, ACDC with Axel. Unbelievable! I'm like, well, they found the right guy, you know. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's that's all I yeah. Uh, yeah I was because when I asked Scott Ian that he was, uh, and I was the same way where I was like, really? At first, I'm like, how is this going to work? And then when I saw it, I was like, whoa, this works. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there's, there's you know, a lot, you know, people don't realize how. I mean, anyone who's seen the Quiet Riot movie, you realize singers, you know, it's a, it's they're different ducks. It's a whole different thing where you can play guitar with malaria and get away with it for the most part. <laughs> but as being a lead singer, it's like you don't realize it's it's very hard to hit some of those notes. You know, be it GNR or Quiet Riot or ACDC, it's 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 your 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 body is your instrument. So to have that that thing that's already built in you that you were born with that DNA. It's a whole different thing, and you know I'm not. I, I can barely you know sing backup vocals, but when I see these guys come in and, and, and go for it, it's like okay, but now do it ten nights in a row and do it for three hours or do it for two hours, you know. So it's it's it, I get I get it. I'm not a singer, but I'm like wow. It's, I, I have a lot of respect for anyone that can pull that off. I mean, and and uh, you know stepping into those big shoes and singing all those iconic songs is not easy that's for sure so i pass off to anybody that can really pull it off and i've been lucky enough to see it beat people that have so and as as have you you know what is uh, what was your experience working with uh with gilby clark he he recently had said that you know he was a little disappointed that he wasn't inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame along with gnr do you do you uh, uh, agree with that or what guess what was your overall experience I, working with him I, you know, I, I, Gilby's a good, very good friend of mine, and and, and very, very, he's a great producer. He produced a record um, 
called The Return of Psycho California by a band that I phoned called Hotel Diablo. Um, and, um, you know, I don't, I don't have an opinion on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in general because I don't even know what, the, what it really means. What is the Rock and Roll? That's an oxymoron in, in of itself. You're right. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it's kind of like going to Berkeley to learn how to play rock. <laughs> Wait, Bon Jovi so- <laughs> over Judas Priest was just like, ugh. ugh. Wait, what? That Bon Jovi got in and Judas Priest did not. Well, okay, well, Bon Jovi did sell a lot of records, had a lot of hits, but Judas Priest is, okay, you know, there's an argument on both sides of the fence there. I'm not going to take a side. I just, you know, you're the first one to tell me this. Um, Really? Uh, I would say before. I'm not saying Bon Jovi doesn't deserve it, but before Judas Priest, I don't I know. thought they were already in, to be honest with you. Right. I didn't even realize they weren't. Yeah, no, it's like a lot of people. You is know, Iron like, Maiden in there? Uh, I don't think they're in there either. They, okay. they have no love was, for metal. Okay. Deep How purple. Is Iron Maiden not in, the, not in there? I mean, but like, you know, again, I'm not going to go off on some rant about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because it's it's not really, it's not real. It doesn't really mean anything. It's, 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 it's a, uh, it's, it's, it, I mean, you know, I shouldn't say it's not real. It's just, it's, what does it exactly, you know, gets you in? It's, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. I thought they were already in there. You know, yeah, no, it's um, it is weird, and especially you know, for us, uh, GNR fans, when we saw GNR get inducted, that was just the whole thing is is just weird. You wanted the people to come together, and I mean, yes, in 2017, uh, fences have been mended, but it was just a, it's just a weird, it's a weird place, it's a weird environment, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but. It, just like you said, I I, I I don't know. I I really don't know much about it. I mean, uh, I I I've watched the you know the the, the, the um, polished edited version on HBO and right. pretty much it. I, I I honestly, it's not even on my radar. I don't even know. Um, I mean, there's there's bands that sold you know a hundred million records that aren't in, and there's people that went barely gold that are in. So. Okay, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's from oh, right. very so, political, you know. Right. Well, then, other than just like the ridiculous concept of it, um, you know, that's what I mean. That was just a, a topic of conversation with Gilby um, about Gilby, saying that he thought maybe he could be inducted with because he was a part of the band. He wasn't maybe a part of, you know, of course, it wasn't a part of Appetite and things like that. So it's just. When you have this family, the Guns N' Roses family, or you have this Quiet Right family, I mean, Pearl Jam, when they got inducted, uh, Eddie Vedder invited every single drummer. Wait, they're in the Rock and Roll of Fame? I, again, yes. I, this is how little I know about it. I Pearl no Jam, uh, Green Day, a lot of bands from when I was a kid that are in before some of these legendary metal acts, which is, you know, I, I don't agree with. Pearl Jam, maybe 10 years from now, 20 years from now, but not before Deep Purple. Well, I believe there is some sort of statute of limitations where you have to be together for, or, you know, from the time your first record comes 25 out. 25 years, I think. 25 years. Okay, well, good for them. And now what? What are they doing? You know, they're obviously Pearl Jam has, you know, has a body of work and whatnot, and they were you know, a big part of my childhood, actually. But... Okay, so you got this little statue, and you paid twenty grand to have your wifey dinner next to you. Now what? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it means. I gotcha. So then, what is the uh, the ultimate goal for Alex Grassi, or are you living it right now? <sighs> the ultimate goal? Uh, uh, yeah, like um, just keep working. You know. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know if there maybe there was um, a certain kind of record or maybe certain artists you want to work for. Like, what have you not accomplished yet in your career? And you still have um, a long way to go. 
well, honestly, I mean, I got, to, I got to be, making a record with Gilby Clark was one of the highlights of my life, to be honest with you. I mean, Hotel Diablo, that record, I'm very proud of it. And it was so organic. And it just happened that Gilby called me and said, hey, I heard you doing a record with Rick Stitch, who was singing in another band I played with. And I said, yeah. And we had written like two or three songs, just kind of like on the back porch of my house. He lived in my guest house. I said, yeah, we are. Uh, and he was, let's, 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 let's lay it down. Let's track it. It was very organic. It was, it was not a record company saying, do this, do that, do this, do that. It was, come on over, you know, let's, let's see what happens. And we did. And that was right then and there. I go, okay, this is what, what it was probably like back in the day. I mean, I mean, there was, it hadn't become so much of a business yet and the internet hadn't really kind of, you know, made the business what it is now, which is basically nothing. I mean, no one buys records. Music's been devalued to the point where you'll spend four ninety nine for a cafe latte at, you know, Starbucks or whatever, but you won't spend 99, bucks, 99 cents for a, a song on iTunes, right. you know? Mm-hmm. Think about it for a minute. I mean, people, music doesn't cost money anymore to the next generation. I don't mean to sound like an old man, but it doesn't, you know? Like, wait, music costs money? No, you can just go on a tour and fight and rip off the album. And I made that record with Gilby, and the the day it came out, literally the day it came out, I went home and I Googled it, and it was on over 200 torrent sites already within two hours of it being released. Wow. And for free. Just people just pay money to this, you know, these pi- basically being pirated. So... You know, I don't know where I don't know what the end game is because the music industry basically doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. It's pretty much gone. And and I I came into it in a time where, you know, I'll never forget when when Lars Ulrich went up against Napster. Mm-hmm. Everyone motherfucked up. They didn't they didn't want to hear about it. They didn't want to hear Metallica was greedy. No, you know what? He was right. He was. And he's still right. They were looking back. Lars hit the nail on the head. Or Metallica or whoever, you know, decided to go public with that. I'm like. Yeah, I mean, you record a song that you haven't even finished and it's already on the radio? How? Oh, the internet, you know? But, hey, again, you know, not my it's not my monkey. I'm just playing along. <laughs> no, I got you. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to claim innocence because, you know, I was in college when, you know, LimeWire and Kazaa well, yeah, were out. And, you know, I'm looking to get the, the Chinese democracy leaks that aren't out yet. And I didn't understand yet what was happening, you know, that this is all free and what, uh, you know, uh, the potential. Yes, I, you know, it may not matter to Lars specifically, you know, as far as his finances, but the, the, the point he made, the premise not, is, not, is right. Not, well, see, people, you know, the South Park episode where it's like, Britney Spears, <laughs> she only has two tools now. Here's Britney Spears' private jet. Britney used to have a Gulfstream 4. Now she's had to sell it and get a Gulfstream 3 because people like you chose to download her music for free. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Okay. Now, it's not about money. It's the principle. It's the idea that you work your ass off, spend a shit ton of money, you know, whether it's your money, the label's money, or whoever, and, you know, in time, and you're pouring your heart and soul into making a song, and then someone, you know, in their college dorm room just gives it away. Because they found, you know, it, it doesn't make, it, it's really, it's not about money. It really isn't. It's, about the, it's like, it's about in, in, intellectual property in general has been dumbed down to being worthless. I mean, look, if you're a book, you know, you write books, you're a writer, you do, uh, we're doing a podcast right now. Now, imagine 25 years ago, you could charge for this. Guess what? You're giving it away. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's literally it's been you can't monetize what you work your ass off for your whole life. And you know, I look at people that have, you know, you know, killed killed you know, missed their entire lives just to go on the road and work for it, and then all of a sudden one day, oh by the way, you're not going to get paid anymore. It's like, you know, look at it this way: if your day job is working at Chili's. And one day, next door to Chili's, somebody opens a restaurant called, you know, Chumley's and says, you know what? They're charging nine ninety five for a cheeseburger. Ours are free. Now, who's going to go to Chili's who's going to Chumley's? You tell me. You're right. Yeah. It, it, unfortunately, yeah. It's like, okay, well, you know, there's one gas station where the gas is 4 bucks a gallon. The next one, oh, it's zero a gallon. Well, I'm going to go to that one. That's the way that's the mentality now, unfortunately. And uh, that's why you see Walmart. I mean, walking to a Walmart, there's no CDs. I mean, there's like, you know, one little rack, but it's a rake makes more money or a snow shovel or, a, you know, a pair of stretch jeans makes more money for a Walmart or a Target than music does. Oh, yeah. the value that far. The music collection is right next to that one uh, Hanukkah kiosk that they have in Christmas. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, 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 it's literally one of those things where it's like, I get it, though, because, you know, Walmart is a business, and they're going, well, I can put Garth Brooks' greatest hits here, or I can put a snow shovel, and it's going to snow. I know that much. What's your, I guess, because uh, we're going to wrap up, and I know you had a long day, and I thank you for uh, giving No, no, you, you know, it's, 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 it's all part of rock and roll. It's one of those things where it's like dealing with, you know, I mean, issues, if you will. It's like okay, one thing after another after another, but... Again, it's what I do. I don't really know how to do anything else. So I enjoy every minute of it. I'm grateful every morning to wake up and uh, do this for a living. It's, it's, um, even if it's on the business side of things, it's still nice to be in the, you know, nice to feel like you're out there doing something, you know. And um, it's, I'm very grateful for it. And, a lot, and people like you and, and the fans that come out to see us, it's, it's, um, it's very gratifying in that sense of the word because, like I said, it's, the industry kind of it's eating itself alive, you know. It's the only industry ever seen that eats their own, you know. So, yeah, it's 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 very challenging. If you survive it, you know, you're lucky. And I relate a lot of it to it just being in in radio. You know, uh, not everyone is Howard Stern. Uh, there's only one, and it's very yeah, yeah, difficult. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Well, very well put because yeah, he he. Okay, when I was a kid, I was like, I want to be CC Deville. I want to be Flash. I want to be Ace Freely, I want to be Joe Perry. Okay, well, there already is a Joe Perry. There already is a Jimmy Page. There already is a Flash. Now nah, I got to be myself, and I got to figure my own shit out, you know? And that's what separates the men from the boys in this business. You know, it's like, okay, well, you know, obviously, you know, things don't work the way they did back in the day for those guys, so figure it out. That's the bottom line. And, you know, like I said, keep on keeping on, you know? Love it. I love it. Uh, Alex, is there uh, anything else you want to get out there? Because I know uh, it's Alex Grassi Music, right, dot com? And you're at uh, yeah, Alex that's... underscore Grassi on Twitter? Uh, or is it just Alex Grassi? I forget. Well, there, I think there's, in all honesty, I think it's like five Twitters that are mine, but the one that counts that I actually look at maybe once a month is at Alex Grassi. Okay, right. cool. Because yeah. I want to make sure then, uh, uh, we tag you. And, they, and you... Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, tag me. Uh, um, Again, you know, tag all of them, hashtag them, whatever, make a trend. Maybe I can finally get up there with uh, Bitcoin, you know. 
You were yeah. you were on Wait, it. What, what is what is Bitcoin? What is Bitcoin? I really, I honestly don't know. I, I, I that's not it's what Mario collects. Street. That's not what Mario does to get like much, like you know. Uh, oh, extra life. oh, okay. Now, okay. Then, so, but what about Luigi? Yeah, no, Luigi. I think he's on food stamps. He doesn't get any love. <laughs> <laughs> uh, only lasagna for uh, via food stamp for for Luigi. You know, he he didn't have the same career Mario did in Super Mario Brothers. Luigi <laughs> was kind of like you know, there's Lionel Richie, then there was the other guy. <laughs> There's Bobby Brown and the other guys. You know, Belvedere DeVoe. I don't have, I've not heard a lot about them lately, but Bobby Brown, just found a few months ago, still kicking it. So, you know. George Michael I and the other guy from Wham. Well, actually, yeah, but the, uh, yes, yes. Oh the, oh, the other guy. What was his name? Uh, Luigi. <laughs> was Luigi in Wham, too? Uh, I, I don't think <laughs> Luigi was in Wham. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. I, don't even, I, I couldn't tell you, but you know, I'm Italian, so i got to remember these things. you know? <laughs> you got to come back, uh, Alex. You know, when, when you're uh, in town, uh, I hope that uh, you uh, and or Don uh, can come down to our studios. Yeah, and I'm back calling around. on time this time, too. I really apologize for that. But, again, it's, you know, rock and roll. It's, it never stops. I was joking with Don. I'm not going to like put too much uh, my Jew guilt on you. It's the it's the festivist season, so uh, it's all good. I appreciate you just making oh, the no, time no, for no, me. No, 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 the festivist? Don't get me started on that. <laughs> no. I actually don't. We actually, my family, uh, my mother retired a couple of years ago. She actually went to Home Depot and had a festivist pole built to the dimensions of the one from the episode. That you got to get your mom on the episode next time. That's she, she, she's like, well, I don't want a tree because it's a mess. But I want best of this. I go. All right. Well, we got to do the airing of the grievances. We got to feed the feet of strength. You know, I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're gonna hear about it. Now, what day is Festivus actually? Is it December twenty third? It is Saturday, December twenty third. That is so, so. Every year, like like Christmas Eve is the twenty fourth. Christmas Day is the twenty fifth. Like that's when Santa Claus comes in the morning, which is actually your parents drunk, giving you cookies, pretending someone ate cookies. As we both figured out in life, or I decided. Um, so Festivus is the twenty third every year, so the date never changes. Unlike for so, Hanukkah, where I need honestly every year, one of my non-Jewish friends reminds me. I'm like, I don't know, I can't keep track. I'm the worst Jew. Well, ever. Hanukkah. I mean, I mean, I, 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 I think. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm. I don't even know what I am, but uh, I know that we have a Festivus poll in Florida where my mother, you know, every year. I got a lot of problems with you people. Okay, here we go. I love it, Alex. Uh, You were great. Don was great. Thank you for inviting him uh, on as well. And, uh, again, I said at the beginning of the episode, thank you to uh, Jenna Side from— Oh, oh, you know, Paradise Kitty. Yeah, Jenna is—I got to say this. uh, Every town we've got an ACDC tribute band or a GNR tribute band or a KISS tribute band or Motley Crue tribute— Paradise Kitty, Jenna, and and Rachel, and and you know you know the rest of the band, you know, are a step above. And I think there's a lot more to it than just playing covers. And they're not only a great band, but they're great people, which I really really appreciate. And and this business is very hard to find. Trust me. I agree. They were amazing when they came here, and uh, the fact that Jenna was uh, more than willing to help me out because I want to. Hey, I, I know Hookers and Blow are touring, and you know I uh, I know their friends well, we do. Actually, and, we, we're doing we do shows with them. We're actually in December. We're doing um, right. That's why I reached out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know what? It's a great combination because if Dizzy does, I don't want to sing this song. Okay, call Jenna up, and she comes over and kills it. You know, and she and and we're friends. They're, like I said, they're good people. They're 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 not. 
you know, they're, they're out there doing the same thing we are. It's, it's, it's really cool to see that. And they're, they're easy on the eyes as well, obviously, but, uh, <laughs> um, they're, uh, no, it's, it's, it's nice to see. I mean, I've known Rachel for 15 years, you know, when, when I moved to LA and joined actually beautiful creatures, uh, she was working with Joe Estate. She was Joe's assistant. And I'm like, okay. And I, here we are, <clears throat> you know, 15 years later and still working, doing our thing, you know? It's 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 awesome, and that's what this podcast has become for me. You know, yes, it's centered around Guns and Roses, but to meet people like you and Jenna and, and Don, and got to speak to Dave Kushner and uh, Charlie Benanti, and of course Scott Ian last episode, all surrounding Guns and Roses, bringing us together. You know, that's kind of where I'm at because it gives positive vibes and just uh, a cool place to hang out. We may have different maybe political views or religion or whatever, but we all come together. We meet at that GNR uh, nucleus, and uh, we, we hang out there and, and see where it takes us. So uh, this was awesome, Alex. I, I Come back whenever you want. You want to talk about Hookers and Blow. You want to talk about uh, Quiet Riot. You want to talk about Seinfeld, uh, whatever you want to do. I, you know what? <clears throat> I'd love to do a podcast that we don't discuss music once. But just talk. And about because... what? About nothing? I don't know. Thank you. Uh, nothing. Let's do an entire two-hour podcast about nothing. Let's Just do it. Like, we got to think I, of a catchy name. Like it, it, it's hookers and blow. Do a hookers and blow. Oh, we won't talk about the band. Yeah, we won't talk about the band though. I mean, what, wait, hookers and blow. Wait, is that, is, that's a band. No, we're not a band. We've never had a band. We've never written one song <laughs> ever. Hey. Ever learned a song for that matter. I mean, we put that, that's that list he spoke of earlier. Mm-hmm. That's the S word. <laughs> that list, and then there's the other one, R the R word rehearsal. Oh, nope. not gonna do it. Oh, I mean Axel's rehearsing now. You gotta rehearse. I mean if Axel's doing it. No, no, no. Hookers and no, no. hookers and <laughs> low, We don't rehearse. We don't. I mean, what will our rehearsal would basically be us paying for studio time, and there'd be nothing more than probably twenty four crushed up beer cans and a tab that I had to pay. That's hmm. about it. I love it. Well, if you ever want uh, to start a Hookers and Blow uh, podcast, content will be up to you. If you need a producer, let me know. We can, uh, <laughs> we'll do something. You know, you know, it's funny. It's like, yeah. I mean, why, again, why? That's the biggest thing. It's like, but why not? You know, it's, it's rock and roll, and that's the you know, the biggest thing. The, the moral of the story here is, it's do what you want, whenever you want, however you want, and that's really rock and roll. Yeah, so, like yeah, uh, we're doing, you know, to tie it in with the uh, South Park reference because you know, I love all the references you're making. You know, like Carmen said, "It's my body; I can do whatever I want. I could do twelve it's bangs. My body, I can do whatever I want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. What was the name of the boy band they had? Uh oh, was that um Finger Bang? The fin- Finger Bang, Finger fi- Bang, yeah, Finger Bang. Uh, <laughs> you into my life? Like- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they tried to play a mall like Tiffany, like, you know, I think we're alone now, but it was just that whole thing, yeah. You saw the Slash episode, though, right? But then, who was the guitar player for Guns N' Roses? One of our parents. I I, I missed about 10 years of of, uh, of South Park and Seinfeld, but fortunately, Comedy Central and, uh, you know, whatever station plays Seinfeld every five minutes. They keep doing it, so I'm catching up. You got to do it because it even made uh, Slash respond to the episode. They just uh, basically claimed that Slash is a uh, a German folk legend that doesn't really exist. There's, you know, he you just don't. He just plays all these random shows at the same time because he's not a real person. 
I never, I, I, didn't, I didn't even know about that, but I'll check it Slash, is it real? You got to check it out, man. It's hilarious. Oh. Uh, but Alex, again, uh, awesome talking to you. Awesome meeting you. Um, I can't wait to the uh, the Hookers and Blow show uh, at, at Blackthorn 51, I believe. And that's where Paradise yeah. Kitty played uh, when they came yeah. here. Yeah, they, they played. The, yeah, they were Yeah, they were uh, uh, back in November. Yeah, they were there. Thank you, Alex. Uh, have a great Thank day. You. And, uh, you know, talk soon. You got it, buddy. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thank right. you. Alex Grassi, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it was a little bit of an interesting, you know, bridge when we got Don Jameson on first and then Alex, but we made it work. Uh, hope you enjoyed. That is it for the Appetite for Distortion uh, show, uh, episode 38. When will the next one come out? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. You've been listening to the distorted minds of Brando and Scotto. Dissecting all things Guns N' Roses on Appetite for Distortion. Follow the guys on Twitter at The AFD Show and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The AFD Show. Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home.